I look uh, sunburned to you? Yeah, you look freaking red as a cucumber. I got fried today. Yeah, what were you doing? Oh, look at your arm. Oh, dude. Yeah, I, I got, I got lobstied. Why? I was in the sun. Just grinding. And it was <laughs> beating down on me. And I'm like, I'm so screwed. I don't have any sunscreen. And I'm just bare bare neck out you here. knew it I, I it was this horrible horrible feeling where like Ooh. i know i'm getting burned right now and i just can't do anything about it all right here we are again the open road podcast here to whisk you with some stories and adventures uh sometimes on the road this week not so much we're hitting a a, did, <laughs> a local watering hole did you just say to whisk you yeah what'd you say so like <laughs> that's really like funny. stirring I, people into an adventure no, no, you're, 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 you're <laughs> yeah. oh yeah like that yeah no, it was hilarious i just thought of like it's whisk you away and it's like ooh, this but to whisk you i thought to like to smack you in the forehead with a whisk <laughs> <laughs> i cannot handle will, any forehead smacking right now whisk you yeah that sunburn is pretty bad <laughs> thank you uh yes that's what we're here to do my name's jeremy um I'm one of your hosts, Calvin mm-hmm. over there, another host, um, b- big haircut Calvin. People like the haircut. Oh, is that the general uh, the, the general vibe, the feel you're getting? Yeah, so I put out a little Instagram story to see what people were liking, just to, you know, what were people feeling, and uh-huh. uh, wow, you know, I think they like the haircut. Do I have now. to do anything, or just no, keep doing what do I'm doing? Anything. I think maybe post more selfies. You, could you recommend some sort of product? Like, should I be using a product? I don't use anything right now. Uh, but you're now fine. I need to get into the world of products, perhaps. No, don't don't get into the world of products. Okay. My world of products is every Christmas I get a new product, and then I just use that for the year. For the week, and then you get sick of it? No, for the year until it's done, and then I get a new one. Ah, uh, okay. Fair enough. So if you want product, just ask your wife to get you some. I'm, I'm sure she'd know much more than you about product. Okay, good tip. All right, Jared, so let's, let, <laughs> let's talk to Steel City. Yeah, so we, we've we've been having, a, a, as Calvin quotes, an ongoing series on the city of Hamilton. How we haven't done that much stuff with Hamilton? We kind of we kind of drift in, and then we drift out, and then we have another guest that <laughs> happens to be from Hamilton, and we throw them in the category of um, the series. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. So today we're talking with uh, Sue from Five Forty One, which is a really cool cafe, eatery, restaurant, whatever you want to call it. So um, I'm really excited. I've never heard of this thing before, and then we heard it through a few different friends. And then after we recorded this episode with Sue, this was a few weeks back, I was, I, I've talked to a couple of people, just mutual friends of ours, that are from Hamilton. And I mentioned that we were doing an episode with uh, 541, and they were unbelievably psyched, and yeah. which made me so excited. And then I was like, oh, like, man, that like... Maybe I didn't do a good enough job, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a great conversation, and really the neat and adventurous element of what they're doing there is essentially this this um, social element to the to the mm-hmm. to the restaurant where you know you can buy a button for a dollar and then put it in the button jar, and then anyone can come in, and if they don't have any money, they can uh, use buttons to get uh, get a meal, get some hot coffee, get whatever they want whoever they want and it's this amazing place where people of all different classes genders races religions mix and mingle and hang out and share food together so Mm -hmm. i mean what like can you ask for a better adventure than that i don't know i think we'll leave it at that i mean let's let the conversation um tell the real story um it did get me thinking just about having an idea and then just like that is a, a a unique situation they have created for themselves, and I am just—it's so um, admirable that they're able to do that and figure out the funding, figure out staff, figure out people that are qualified and able to run it. And it's just a—I don't know—I—I I, I don't know exactly how it all began. I think we'll get into that, but a few people had an idea, and they just made this whole thing happen, and and it works, and it's it's just really neat. It's you know what, Calf. Let's let's just let it, let the conversation play. Oh, fine. I wasn't really fine. Fine. You weren't what? Well, I was wanting to just elaborate more on that, and uh, and then you were gonna spill the beans, you know, about other stuff. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to the other stuff. Let's let's get into our conversation with mm-hmm. Sue, and then we'll add some additional commentary at the end of the show. Here we go. All right, we are here with Sue Carr, and Sue, you are the executive director, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, 541 in Hamilton. Is that correct? That's what they say. Oh, phew. Calvin made me do this intro here, and I've got to make sure I get the <laughs> titles right and everything. <laughs> so why don't you tell us... So why don't you tell us a little bit, let's just start right from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about what, what is 541 and, and how did it get started? Okay. 541 is a not-for-profit for benefit business on Barton Street in the northeast end of Hamilton. It got The idea got born about um, five, six years ago. Um, two people called James Peters and Michael Bowyer, who were friends, um, thought that it would be, for some reason, they thought it would be a really good idea to open a for-benefit for business on Barton Street. I don't know how much you know about Barton Street or Hamilton, but but Barton Street used to be one of the economic hearts of Hamilton. And mm. over the last 40-odd years, it's just become really um, a bit of a wasteland. Um, people drive through it. They wouldn't think of it as a destination. Right. They want to get in and get out as fast as they can in their cars and and not really ever stop for anything and of course that means that nothing's there to stop for because it's a sort of circle isn't it and those two people um as they talked about this idea drew into their sort of circle a number of folks who were really quite visionary and miranda crockett is one of them and that's your friend's um your dad's friend's daughter-in-law okay (laughs) so there's a vague connection Miranda is married to ben there you go Okay. Um, and, uh, and Miranda and her friend Jen and another number of people who sort of knew each other, I think primarily through camp, through summer camp. That would For them it would be mainly either Pioneer Camp or Joy Bible. Um, but you know how summer camp is. You make friendships and they never go away. Yeah. Um, we so have that same problem, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a great not a problem. problem. <laughs> it's not problem it's a wonderful thing now sue was that uh is that jen arnold that you're speaking of that's right yes that's right yeah so i know jen and dave through a few different um avenues dave worked for a time at eden high school in st Catharines, and that's where i actually ended up going to high school so that's where i first connected with dave but uh connected with dave but he's yeah friends with a bunch of other people that we're all connected to and so i know jen jen and dave a little bit so yeah Yeah. so nice Yeah. yeah Well, all these people have become um, people that I know quite well because um, those that nucleus um, sort of thought about what this might look like, went to places um, like Chicago and down to New York where there were various sort of ways of having a, a cafe or a, a restaurant, sort of a meld of the two. And, and you've probably seen them. They come across on Facebook feeds every now and again with sort of um, – so, there's one where you don't pay anything. There's some where you pay what you mm. can. There's like some that, that, that pizza shop that gives away the it, free slice, or exactly, exactly. I think that's the Chicago one. Um, this one uh, that I saw the other day in Italy that opens for lunch, and the lunch time is a, it's an expensive menu and people pay, and that pays for the evening meal, and they just open oh, the doors. Really? But but for that, interestingly, it's different from five forty one. The folks don't mix. The people who pay the top dollar okay. or top yeah. euro, I suppose, in Italy at lunchtime, they eat separately from the people who eat in the evening. Right. It's in the same place, but they're not eating together. And I think the vision for 541 would be that it was a place where people would eat together, where people would eat. And that's where the exchange comes from, that it, that somehow there would be this this something that would happen that would be different from a regular cafe. And I... I think that as we've evolved, that that's become true. Um, so that took about five, six years to to get to opening. And then, yeah, and then I got involved. Nice. So why don't you talk a little bit about that evolution from this idea to whatever it is today? What Walk us through a little bit of that journey, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, um, when I met Michael Boyer, he was... Um, it was actually at a graduating retreat where he was doing his MDiv, Masters of Divinity, and I met him because I was helping to, to I was helping on that retreat, um, and he was in the group that I was facilitating. And as he was talking, um, I got very interested because I had been 
looking for I was a working as a chaplain at a not-for-profit in in Hamilton um, and I was I knew it was time to sort of leave that but I wasn't sure what was going to happen next but I pastor a small church that had begun on Sundays and I didn't want to leave them behind there with mainly folks who have never been to church that have wouldn't really feel comfortable in a in a church um, where people with um, sort of some mental illness, certainly some poverty issues, certainly some living slightly on the edges of society. And you can't just abandon folks, you can't abandon anybody, but you can't abandon people who, for whom a pastor wouldn't be an easy thing to find. Right. So I was looking for a place that I could take this church, and I said to Michael, this thing that you're doing, is it going to be open on Sundays? Because if it isn't, could I come on a Sunday afternoon and bring the troops and we could have like our church worship service? And he got very interested and we continued talking and they ended up offering me this job to be the ED. I didn't realize that's what they were offering. I, halfway through, I thought, wait a minute, this sounds like a job offer. But it was a job <laughs> that I was You know, I didn't want a job, actually. Right. Um, and uh, so so one thing led to another. And, and it was difficult because people like Miranda and Jen and the other folks had this vision that they'd been working quite carefully towards. And here was this strange older woman that they didn't know from a bar of soap being brought in to say, this person's going to lead your hopes and dreams. And, right. and that must be uncomfortable for them because they had their hopes and dreams and they had visions. And, and I hadn't been part of the, the sort of the, the gestation of all of this. Sure. So it was a bit difficult for them, I, I think. Um, I think at the time I wasn't very sensitive to that, but looking back, I think it must have been very difficult. They were very generous to me. Mm. Um, so um, we had, when I met, when I came on board, they had the building. Miranda had found the building. It's an old bank. Um, it was built um, 1907, I think it was built. I think that's right. Um, and it ended up as being the bank for the Westinghouse Steel Company, which is just down the road from us. We're on okay. the corner of Westinghouse Street. Um and it had been empty for a while, and then it had been sort of done up as a sort of a studio apartment. There were two apartments upstairs that were inhabited, but then it had been used as a crack house. It was a mess. They found the landlord, persuaded him that he wanted to rent to us. Yeah. I don't know how they reached that. And uh, um, they fundraised, and they cleaned it up. It was disgusting, some of it. They got a designer to sort of help them look at how the thing would get laid out. Hmm. And then... And they hadn't really got, they got some idea, but not an idea of how it would work. And so we sort of together dreamt it all into being, I guess. And and the thing is that actually none of us had opened a restaurant before. Jen oh, wow. had worked at a cafe. Apple, uh, Miranda had worked for Apple um, at Mapleview Mall in Burlington. Um, I I did actually work in kitchens when I was in high school, but that's a very, very long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a background, some some background in nursing, and and as a as a chaplain uh, in a hospital, and then mission services, and I know quite a lot about addictions. That's not useful to opening a restaurant. None of that is. So how how we survived, I have no idea. But the idea was that we would um, um, we would keep our costs, the idea was that we would provide very low cost food and we would keep our costs down by by not having a lot of paid staff, but by having a lot of volunteers. Right, okay. Um, because because a payroll is a really expensive part of sure. any institution. That's a great idea. Um, and and then we sort of came up with this idea for a pay it forward system and we decided we would use buttons, real buttons. We have two jars sitting on the counter and if you come in, can buy a button when you buy your coffee or you can buy a button without buying a coffee if you want. Um, and each button is a dollar and you take, you give me a dollar or you don't actually you give General Miranda a dollar. Yeah. Cause I mess up when I do cash <laughs> and um, you take a button from the empty jar and from the full jar and you put it in the empty jar and that's then becomes button ca uh, ca cafe currency. And it's each button is worth a dollar and anybody can use up to $5, five buttons a day on anything. So Very if cool. you forget, you forgot your wallet that day, you know, you came, you thought, brother, you know, I really want a coffee and I don't have any money. You could come in. If, if there are buttons, we can't manufacture them, but if there are buttons, you can say, um, hi, I, and you just take, you don't even have to say, you don't have to say anything. You just take the buttons out and you put it down. You say, 
I have a coffee. Yeah. And it's, it's a button, right? A straight drip coffee is a is a is a one button one dollar. Um, and uh, and five bucks will get you a grilled cheese and a coffee or a you know a soup and a something else. I mean, yeah. it's simple. Most yeah. things are five bucks and under. And that's honestly that's the basis for it. Now I actually think that having this funny. Eh? Really fun. Yeah, that's a. I love that. That's such a great idea. Um, and I was just gonna gonna say like so that's going to your idea of having um, having people mix together for I mean lunch dinner hour um, whatever it's everyone kind of uh, coming together. Um, why why do that? Why not the other model like you like you've researched um, having kind of two separate two separate areas and um, yeah why why this model? Well, for for me personally, I. I worked in the shelter system for the last few years before I did this, and it's very separate. And I work with alcoholic men and women in a violence against women's shelter, and they're separated out from society. We don't even tell you where the women's shelter is. There's good reasons for that, but you don't even know it exists, exists. They're hidden. And alcoholic men and homeless men, we like to keep their hidden because they're difficult and they're not pleasant to be around, maybe. Mm-hmm. And maybe we find them a bit inhibiting and scary. Maybe we don't trust them very much and we actually want them to be somewhere else. So we start seeing them as something other than us. And so for community dinners or for when, you know, nice church groups full of nice people or not even church groups, maybe a group of employees from a company have decided to do volunteering in the community and they would come to mission services and they would help serve the poor people and they would sort of put down their sort of polystyrene plates with a sort of, you know, yeah. food, which is all right, but it's nothing special. It doesn't look nothing that's good on a polystyrene mm-hmm. plate. And and with horrible fluorescent lighting in a you know, it's just not it doesn't it doesn't say home. It says a lot of other things. Sure. But it doesn't say And then the volunteers would stand around awkwardly watching everybody eat. I hate it. I absolutely yeah. hate it. <laughs> it sounds horrible. Well, it, it is horrible. And yeah. the thing is that I used to eat with my friends so after church. And we always have church in the afternoon. So after church, we would eat in this dining room. And sometimes there would be helpers that sort of serve. And you feel like fish in a fishbowl. Yeah. You know, you're being watched right. like animals in the right. zoo. Sort of thing. And I never thought that that was what God's banquet was supposed to be like. Right? Yeah. So, so to me... 541 is the way it is because um, because that's what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. So it's not supposed to be a place where some people eat at one time and some people work eat at another or some people eat this kind of food and other people eat that kind of food. Yeah. We're all hungry. We all want to eat. We all actually want to eat in the nice surroundings. And some of us can afford to do that because we, we for whatever reason, we have got money in our pocket. Sure. Some of us don't. Why would we make any more artificial difference than that? So to me, it's really important that we eat the same food in the same place with as little distinction between us as we possibly can. And it allows the community still to be generous. So so we get what other um, what, what other benefits are you seeing from that um, from that model? I mean, is it is it opening up opportunities to socialize or to network in it, any way? Well, I'm sure people do network, but a lot of the time, I think what happens is that people just get to meet folks that they would never have sat next right. to or never seen or never even stood in a line with because yeah. the other thing is it's messy, right? So mm-hmm. so, so when we first opened, um, I'll use Miranda as Jen's examples. Miranda had worked in an Apple store. Well, wealthy people go into Apple stores and they're really nice. And Jen yeah. had worked in a um, um, the bread bar, which is a really – it's a lovely place on Lock Street in Hamilton. Um, and you don't meet many difficult people or people who are having crises or people who don't have, who have rather short fuses, you right. know? Right, right. Um, and we would have somebody come off the street and lose it with either another customer or with one of us or, um, or just there would be things that would happen. And, and, and for the first few times I would get somebody either a volunteer or one of the staff would run into the back and say, Sue, you, you know, you've got to come. It's, whatever it is, is happening. I'd go out. And you know what? Now, <laughs> they might tell me about it two or three days later. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah, so what happened on Tuesday? No. You know, oh, well. And then they'll tell me this absolutely <laughs> horrific story. And I'll be like, um, oh, and what happened? Oh, well, we called the police. It was fine. Or, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, the they went or, or, yeah, we did call the ambulance. and that, But they wouldn't go. So we didn't think they would. But we thought we should call anyway. It's like. No, I don't have to do any of that because because 
it's it's sort of normal. Now, we have to remember that it's not normal for some of the other customers that come. Actually, that's a bit more right. exciting than perhaps they bargain for. And sometimes that happens. It doesn't happen all that often, but, but sometimes it does. But actually, that's kind of real life. That's just how it is. Well, and I, yeah. I think there are some people who come and it feels uncomfortable, and I'm okay with that. Like, I don't think that being comfortable is necessarily what, you know, is the best thing for us. Sure, um, right. And, uh, and sometimes people come and they, they have conversations with people that they would never have had. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they come and they just comment that we have really, really good coffee. We have detour coffee. It's some of the best coffee in Dundas. What well, it is, it's, it's roasted in Burlington and there's a detour has a cafe in, um, in Dundas and we sell their coffee because it's excellent. Because we wanted 541's food and beverages to be excellent. So yeah. we have a right. really key. We just bought a brand new espresso grinder. This is might not seem a lot to you, but it cost us two thousand dollars. Now that's, we that's not even crazy expensive. Those things can cost upwards of five or ten. I know, but we did. This is just the grinder. This is not the espresso. Oh wow! Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's actually not cheap. Um, wow. But we had had two donations that more or less covered that. So people understand now that we don't actually make much. Of, we we make a teeny bit of a loss on on what we sell, because. This model is good, but it's not perfect. Sure. Mm. So, so the amount of money that we charge for our food almost covers it, but it doesn't quite. So that's an so. interesting that's an interesting thing to talk to as well because mm-hmm. I think people get really excited about an idea like this, and they probably look for models where it can be self sustainable. But even as you mentioned, you know, you still need the generosity of a lot of people to help make it go. Now, do you like that? It requires the generosity of the community to come together to make it work. Or in your perfect world, would you be like, "All right, no, this is where we found the line where we're just making, and we don't need to worry about the check coming in the door next month." Well, it would be really lovely not to worry about anything, wouldn't it? <laughs> that OSAP loan or whatever it is, you know, it'd be lovely if it didn't exist. It'd be great. But in the real world, everybody's got to worry a little bit about where they're going to make their money from. Of course, so- right. I think there is something in that. I think there is something in the need to be dependent on people's generosity um, that keeps us humble and careful and and mm. sort of responsible. Um, I think it allows people to to enter into what we do in a variety of ways. I mean, you can come and do dishes. You know, you can you can. Um, you can come and buy buttons. You can come and eat. Just by eating there is, a, you know, you help keep our doors open. Obviously, sure. if we had no customers, we couldn't be open. Um, you come in and um, you you give us money for for a general fund, and that's that helps us keep the lights on. It helps us do some of the other things because we do a number of other things as well, as well as having the restaurant. So, yeah. very cool. Can you describe for us what it's like when you walk through the doors at 541? Um, give us a sense of the atmosphere on any given day. Obviously, we've heard a little bit about it. There might be a wide variety of people there. You're going to always get a great cup of coffee. But wh- what else can people expect when they would walk through your doors? Well, often it's really crowded. If you come in the middle of the day, it's incredibly crowded. It's um, um, There will be a line up to the door. Um, so you Oh, so wow. you can't get a quick lunch. I mean, we can seat 40 right. people and we're often at capacity. Cool. At seating capacity already and then people lined up, which isn't strictly speaking okay, but we won't. it doesn't last for very long. Um, <laughs> it's a big airy space. It was a bank, so it's got great big windows. It's very light and bright. Um, you can see on the floor the dividing line between the terrazzo floor and the wood floor that is where the counter went. So the counter mm-hmm. between the, the tellers was on the hardwood side and the terrazzo bit was where the customers came in. Um, there's a the the um, there's a huge great big table in the middle. It's a very emblematic table. It's we can sit about fifteen people around it, more if you're squishy. Um, and and obviously if there's a group that comes in we reserve that for them. But but often there's all sorts of it's very European. I don't know if you're used to that, but if you go to a, a bar or a coffee place in Europe, you just sit at the big table and you don't know who you're going to sit next to. I, I really like that. So you don't, if you're sitting there, you may be sitting next to somebody you've never met in your life before. And of course, conversations sure. happen because you know, it's right. coffee and people are just relaxing. Yeah, it's social. 
Yeah, and then we have a number of other tables, and they're wooden, and we had those made, and it's sort of natural wood finish. And um, there's an open kitchen, a kitchen line that you can see quite clearly, so you can watch your food being prepared. Um, and then there's a sort of a closed-off kitchen prep area at the back that you can't get into. Um, there's usually some music. We have art on the walls that rotates. At the moment, we have a, an, uh, some art uh, that was prepared by some uh, an outreach program to street-involved youth in Hamilton. Um, it will mm. switch over. Uh, there's an, various artists sort of applied to the person that I have who curates the walls. Um, she's actually herself a, a well-established artist in Hamilton. I didn't want to be the person that said, your art sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that I didn't want to do that when oh, nice turned up. art. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I had to happen. This woman came to the door and said, I bought you a picture. And it was perhaps the most ugly thing I'd ever seen. And <laughs> so sincere. And I said, oh, right. Um, and I said something like, I don't think we can take that yet because, you know, we're, it's too messy here or something. And I mean, I, I don't know, but I was just like, I realized at that point that I had to have some way of, not it being me that said that it needs right. to be something yes <laughs> you know that can say actually that doesn't fit our vision but it's not me you know right it's cowardly but and also <laughs> I do everything so i don't do that um anyway so yes yeah, so we have art on the walls um downstairs there's a prayer room um that's open 20 well it's open all the time we're open uh if you're familiar with the 24 7 prayer movement um you may or may know international Thing. Um, uh, it's a it's a, a movement of that a movement that starts up around prayer rooms and the twenty four seven prayer uh, movement has a, a, a presence in Hamilton called Go Hop the Great Ontario House of Prayer and Go Hop runs this prayer room so there are people down there uh, you can people can go down to prayer if they want lots of people don't know it exists I mean right, it's, cool. it's, it's very, but I think when you come in when you walk in people often say this feels different. Hmm. And I think that's, I think that's a large part of why, because this is prayer thing going on in the basement. I think it changes everything. It's just, it's, it just makes a difference. So that's very cool. It sounds like there are so many different elements that are really intentional about what you guys do that create a space where, um, where it sounds just like life can happen. You know, it's this beautiful historical building there's good food and drink. There are people from different walks of life. There's, I'm sure, people of different religions on their way in and out the door. And sure. it seems like this really welcoming and warm place. And I've had a lot of friends who have been down there, and I drink out of a 541 mug. I, I, we just uh, were living with some friends of ours in Burlington before we moved here, and they had a couple of mugs from there. So I've always been meaning to... <laughs> meaning to get down yes. there and you know yes. it's a place that you have to go to so um yes, i've do. been meaning to get down there so um sue so i think you said earlier that the area where where the restaurant is um is in a pretty down and out neighborhood is that still the case or has have you been able to um see things um maybe come back into life just with um like since you guys have been there so there's a couple of things one of the reasons that um Michael and James chose the area was because of a number of years ago now, the McMaster University and the Spectator together commissioned um, a study, a sort of a review study that collated all of the healthcare um, uh, social determinants of health and outcomes. And they collated that into something called um, the Code Red Report. And it showed, for instance, that if you live in our end of the city, the Dundas Ancaster end, in some areas you're your your life expectancy is is kind of 20 odd years higher than it is in some of the worst areas of Hamilton wow um, there are, and the other other things like single parent led homes um the number of people in the area who have completed secondary education or yep. gone on to secondary and all of those things are not really great in the area that we're in mm-hmm. um, where I live in is one of the wealthier ones right Dundas and Lancaster um, and and so they chose it deliberately because it just seemed that there were an awful lot of things that could be done better or or but I think that's that's certainly one way to to look at it and it's not wrong. I look at it a little bit differently. 
that's what you see when you drive through very quickly through Barton Street. What you don't see is that along Barton Street and among the areas that border it are some very strong neighborhood associations. And mm. there, there are folks who live in the streets off of Barton Street that have lived there for either a long time or have moved in recently. And they may not be some of the wealthiest people in, in Hamilton, but they're some of the most passionate about the area they live in. Mm. They care a lot about things like cleaning up alleyways and making sure that the parks have got play structures in and and what are we going to do about the, the, the street workers at night? And, and well, they're people too, and how can we care well for them? Yeah. Uh, and so there's a lot more complexity in the area than I think people give it credit for. And so what I tend to say to people is actually what I think 541 is doing is providing a focus for the resilience of the neighborhood, that there's already strengths there. And we're not there to come and sort of parachute in and say, hey, we've come to save the neighborhood, but rather to right. say, hey, this is actually a really neat part of Hamilton. Let's come come and meet it here. Yeah. Now, what there haven't been or what there weren't was were places that you, sort of third space places that you could come and hang right. out, meet one another, have encounters. Maybe then in that space also there would be things that perhaps you wouldn't think of in the east end of Hamilton, like we have a coffee house evening tomorrow night, which will be pretty mm. cool. Um, like we've actually had, we actually had some, um, some evenings of ballet that were choreographed to fit the space. Hmm, no way. I happened to really like dancers and art forms. So when, when I came across cool. these two people that were interested, I was like, yeah, we'll do that. Come on in. Um, yeah. And we have things like we have a men's drop-in on Wednesday night. We have a homework group. Uh, we have um, a youth outreach worker now. Um, we have, what else do we have? We have a mum's group. We have a reading, we have a creative writing group. We have, a book club, we do that with the library, we have movie nights, we have a community garden at the back. So we have a number of other things that aren't big, but they're just, they're there to say, hey, there's all sorts of things you can do if you're interested. And yeah, if you sure. ideas, come and Come and share them with us. We're, we're starting up, our latest thing is that we're, we're well, it's a couple of things, but one of the things is that we're starting up, um, I hope to start up a English conversation for ESL folks. Nice. So some of them, oh, neat. They, yep. There are quite a lot of new Canadians in our neighborhood. And there are all sorts of, of classes that you can go to to learn English, but we think that actually that conversational English is, is you know... Where it's at. <laughs> well, it's a different way of doing it, and it also is, allows them to build connections. And um, and we have somebody who used to do that who's going to come and volunteer to set that up nice. with us. Oh, that's great. Crazy Mad Skills, who's excited. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. It's that's really so cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, sorry, I just want to say, like, yeah. it, I think it's just really neat. Um, just, just how you, you guys are obviously very committed to working with the community, and it's specific to your area. And so, I'm sure, you know, if, if a, a high-end juice bar and an Apple store pop up next door to you guys, that's not going to be great. I mean, the, the idea, of course, isn't to rejuvenate the whole neighborhood and drive well, people away. I hate gentrification. I want a T-shirt that says, you know. Yeah. Don't gentrify me or something. Yes. Right, right. It will be. Well, but what has happened actually is that a secondhand bookstore relocated from Parkdale in Toronto. It's a, an older couple, their brother and sister, they ran a secondhand bookstore in Parkdale for years and the rents got too high because Parkdale is becoming trendy. Right. Hmm. Parkdale was not a trendy area a few years ago, but with costs of everything going up in Toronto. So they sold up and they moved down to Barton Street and they're next door but one to us. And this is really cool secondhand bookstore. Huh. And I think things like that will come. The difficulty is that then, you know, the rents will go up and people won't be able to, and then what do we do? Right, I'm not right. sure. I don't know that I have an answer for that. But but I, I don't think that we're going to stop doing what we're doing now. We have plans to open a community kitchen just down the road. We've leased Oh, some, neat. Um, so that's the next, that's our next thing. That's the next thing to keep so you away from night. It sounds like you guys have tons on the go and, and tons happening down the road. Um, one thing we always get from our listeners um, or sorry, get from our um, interviewee is um, our goal on this podcast is to help people find a little bit of venture in their every day. Um, however that looks, um, where would you kind of slot yourself in there or if you could give a just a little tidbit of advice? Yeah. And mixing in this idea of the stuff that you're doing seems to be really meaningful or you found me meaning in this big adventure that you 
are finding yourself in the middle of. So, yeah, what are some some of those tips for either finding adventure or for finding finding that kind of meaning through that adventure? Well, I think probably stepping outside your comfort zone is important, right? You only ever do the same as what you've always done. You're never going to do anything new and never mm-hmm. going to do anything different. Um, I think for us, for us, what we want to do is to to point out that we're not so very different from one another, that that getting to talk to somebody that you would never dream of hanging out with or you perhaps don't know um, is not actually scary. It can be really, really interesting. And there's an awful lot of people for whom that's not normal and it's not comfortable. Um, and, you know, when that happens at 541, I, I sort of think, you know, it's, it's good that we're here, you know. Um I think for me, it's been fascinating watching our volunteers get to know each other. Cool. We have two, we have about two hundred volunteers. Um, wow! And where I sit in my office, I can hear they don't shh, don't tell them. They, <laughs> I can hear a lot of the conversations. And so, I remember once I was listening to a one of our oldest volunteers who's in her eighties talking to two fourteen-year-olds or three actually fourteen-year-olds who were supposed to be doing dishes, but actually were having much more fun being teenagers than actually washing dishes. Oh, of course. Um, and they were both talking about music and the movie that they'd all gone to see the night before differently. But this 80-year-old had just gone out to see a movie, the same movie that these <laughs> year olds Now, I happen to know that she lives in a retirement home with her husband. So, <laughs> so she is, her life experience now is so different from these... Sneaking around with 14-year-olds. <laughs> well, but they were talking about the movie that they'd all seen, not together, separately, the night right. before. And it was so neat because she would never have talked to them and they would never have talked to her. Right. I was thinking, I didn't get to see a movie last night. What What was I doing wrong? Because they were having much more excitement in their life than I was. <laughs> um, but it was, there were all sorts of things like that. There's, there's conversations that go on all the time around these stiff people from such different walks of life that would have never sort of come mm. together to celery at our kitchen, big kitchen table in the back. Sure. Um, and and I think that that's one of the neat things that happen. Um, I think that that sort of exchange happens out in the cafe, but it also happens in the back between the volunteers. So I would say, if go try something different. Just go try volunteer or be part of something different. And if you're part of a church or a, a place that has um, any sort of kitchen, and all churches have ki- inspected kitchens, figure out how to get a few people together to cook a meal together and eat it together once a week. People that otherwise—that's that's the premise of our community kitchen that we're going to open. Cool. Um, only ours would be bigger than that. There'd be a group every morning and every afternoon, so ten groups of ten people, so a hundred people. Um, wow. So that'll be a bit bigger. But but that's the that's that's on a big scale. What I want that to do is to challenge people in smaller settings to do it. Yeah, once a week, once a week, half mm. a dozen people. We'll change communities doing that because wow. because making food and eating it together. Um, is is where life happens i think around a table so so yeah i love that that's wonderful um sue where can people um find you guys i take it that 541 is your address cleverly yes 541 bart street so you can go to www.541.ca spelled out you can find us on facebook and you can find us on instagram and we yeah yeah website website facebook and instagram would be the places to find us Great. We'll make sure all of those things are linked in their show notes. Sue, thank you so much for this conversation. I think this was for sure inspiring for me to hear a little bit more about the roots and the story behind 541. And now I have no excuse to get there uh, much sooner than I would have otherwise. So, You're very welcome. Thank you very much, both of you, for taking the thank time. Thank you, Sue. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Good night. Bye-bye. Ciao. All right, Cal, time for some of that additional commentary. Additional commentary, sure. Um, well, first, first, first off the bat, Jer, what did you think? Are you going to try it out? Are you going to go there? Are you going to get some, get a couple buttons with your coffee? Yeah, I think so. I, I got to get down there at some point. Like, like you said earlier, everybody who's anybody in the place where I'm, well, you know, right. the area that I live, they've been there, they know it, and y- you just got to go. It's just it's really a no-brainer. Yes, I think you're right. Um, it's close to you, right? Like you, you could go there on your motorized scooter. Yeah, I could get down there on my motorized scooter or on my Segway, depending on what I was feeling in right. that moment. Okay. 
Have okay. you ever ridden a Skagway? Mm, nope, I have not ridden a Segway. Would you ever want to? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I No, I don't think so. I think a new logo for our podcast should be a cartoon version of you and me on a Segway. <laughs> Two dudes on a Segway. <laughs> With helmets. That's actually an amazing logo. Big bubble helmets. With hockey helmets on? <laughs> or hockey helmets. <laughs> So here's my uh, here's my if, problem. They, if anyone wants to make us they that are logo, cool. that would be amazing. Seemingly they're cool, but I, I see a lot of them in Florida, where um, yes. when we go down to Kate's parents' place, and they're all over the little um, bike lanes there, and they're super annoying and slow. Yeah. So I do not like them. Um. Yeah. I think it's just an interest. I I, I just don't think it took off. You know. Well, I guess they did I take off. But, took off. But it never really. It's for the right person, you know. Did it ever become a segue cool? person? <laughs> Never became cool. That's not what they were going for, though. We should, we should get a pro segue person on this podcast. Well, didn't ask him. Didn't the, what's the deal? Didn't the creator die on a segue? I remember hearing that rumor a long time ago. Yeah, it's possibly a rumor, but I wouldn't doubt it. And it's probably really easy to find out if that's the case or not. I think I researched it once. I think it is true. Yeah. So, anyways, very sad. Would, would you? Speaking of you know of of that uh, you know end of life, do you think that's a good way to go? Is through a crazy adventure and I'll, doing something I'll t- you love? Listen, Jared, I'll tell you a couple tales. And uh, I do you remember? Okay, yes, I'm going to say yes to your question. Um, okay, though I the principal of the school that I went to in Austria. This is funny that we're talking about this two weeks in a row. The school that I went yes. to in Austria, but the principal of that school died via hand glide. And wasn't that guy just an amazing, wonderful man? And it was super, tra- well, obviously super tragic. Super tragic, yeah. You know dies. Oh, yeah, amazing man, yeah. And well, how do you die hang gliding? You crash it? Do you fall off it? Like, what? Uh, I think you crash it. Like, you're, you're pretty, I mean, I don't know. I don't know details, but that's a horrible death, no doubt. Uh, yeah. Yeah. From that school, there's been like three to four really horrifying deaths that have all really? surrounded. One was the hang glide. One was, uh, I think, ski avalanche. Another one oh, was uh, free climbing, a rock face. Yeah. All very terrifying and uh, very adventurous. And that's really interesting because the there's there's that balance and the two diff- very different schools of thought where, wow, that person died doing something they love. And on the other hand, you'll have a lot of people saying, that was very stupid that that person died doing something so freaking dangerous. A lot of these thoughts, Jer, are something that comes into my head now that I have um, you know, this little um, mini-me, right? It's, it's just, you know, what are, where do you, I don't know, um, ex- exactly that, like where do you kind of draw the line as right. um, foolish or yes. adventurous? Yeah, and that it is an interesting conversation because the more crazy a lifestyle you live, uh, you're you're constantly putting yourself in danger, and therefore always have an increased risk of something happening compared to the other type of person. So even if you're safe, you know, ninety nine percent of the time, the just the fact that you're in danger more increases your chances of having some freak accident. I know you're right. I'd like to see the numbers on it and see if that's kind of <laughs> how that how that does play out. If it's right. just continually increasing, like I don't know. Right. I guess the. Well, I think there are there are now new like studies and there is more stuff you can learn about it. Like just think of uh, pro sports, right? Yeah. Those are really interesting sample sizes, especially in places like the NFL with the you know the I'm not going to call it a concussion crisis to spread fear, but mm-hmm. a lot of interesting studies happening around what you know these people who are constantly getting concussions and the effects it has later on in life right i don't know yeah danger danger and adventure that would be a nice conversation well i I like that we can at least establish that yes danger does not have to be necessarily paired in with adventure um though sometimes that's the obvious um i don't know the obvious example is that you're doing something outrageous and and potentially dangerous yeah, I mean, I would say, in many ways, the more dangerous, the more adventurous. Maybe Think we about should us. get segways. <laughs> Think about us rolling down the road in that RV. That thing yeah. doesn't have airbags. That thing doesn't have, like, <laughs> shoulder seat belts. Uh, 
more dangerous than a motorcycle though like i always kind of compare like oh definitely not no definitely not you're right or is it i don't it? think there's anything on planet earth more dangerous than a motorcycle they're that bad eh like ah, i wanted one for a long time and then um i just you know it's sad but i think it is that bad it's hard to they're hard to justify they're very hard to justify especially where we live um yeah well, and I think they're hard to justify because you can also just get a dirt bike and trail ride, yeah. which is, in my mind, much more safe. Is it? Maybe not as yeah. fun because you can't go quite as fast. Have you ever been on the know. back of a motorcycle? That's scary, mm. being literally not in control no. at all. I used to go no, on the back of my not. brother's motorcycle to go to school, and that was like, eh, this is not that safe. <laughs> Plus, your brother's like 19. <laughs> 18. <laughs> I Dude, could, that's the other crazy thing. You can drive a motorcycle alone when you're 16. Oh, I know. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Yeah, it's kind of insane. Um, I just never f- saw the point of getting a motorcycle in Ontario because you have to wear a helmet. And, like, what's the point, you know? <laughs> all the, it, I, it, thought, I it, thought you were going to say well, it's just all the 400 series highways. And <laughs> it's just terrible riding because there's just cars everywhere. Potholes. Yeah, they're super sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like those guys that rip past you on the highway when they're in their wheelies. What do you think of those guys? Like, is that super cool or is that just obnoxious and dumb and arrogant? I don't know. I I, I think I, more I think the like latter. Most, <laughs> the, the vast majority of people shake their heads and think that is so dumb and irresponsible. Um, but there's maybe, and then I think 99% of people say that. And then moving back, there's like 5% of people are, are like, eh, it's pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but would never say it out loud because their wives are in the car that's another interesting conversation where it's like do you uh accept the status quo right and go on as you're even as you just said ooh, now that i have this little baby around i'm starting to think is this good or is this more dangerous so you're now moving more towards that middle zone of status quo i would think you're not right, moving away from right. it. You're not moving farther to the danger spectrum. No, no, you're right. But uh, you know, I, I think here's the other thing. I think I want to live a long and full life. And so the risks I'm going to take, I'm going to m- take them with that, uh, you know, in c- take that into consideration when I take the risks I'm going to take. And then maybe consider this because there is a, there is in my mind a safer option to do a similar activity. So uh, going back in our episodes on the Open Road Pod, we had our race car driver Kyle Marcelli. In my mind, um, I mean, of course, it's not really safe to drive your um, Honda Civic like a maniac on the highway. But you right. can actually go to a racetrack and be properly trained and drive a track in a way sweeter car for an afternoon. Yep. And I think that's A, way safer and probably going to be a lot more fun. And you can do it many more times with much less risk. However, that takes a lot of forethought and money. And sometimes you just got to drop the pedal. Sometimes that Civic just needs to sing on the highway. <laughs> I also want to tell you this hilarious story. So, you know, my buddy uh, Matt Gardner. Yeah, he got a brand spanking new pickup truck nice. uh, last week, and so um, and it's like br- like brand new, like just it's so sick. This massive giant truck, like twenty five hundred <laughs> HD Duramax diesel, and so um, Phil and I jump in the back, and I t- was saying to Phil earlier, like, okay, let's go get a test drive for Matt. Like, we're not getting out of there until he lights it up with the back tires. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he was Is just it dually. Uh, no, it's not. And so he was just yeah. babying the truck, and we're like, Matt, all right, come on. Let's do it. And then he, light he did. Light it up. <laughs> he, he, he truly did light it up, and it was amazing burnout. Really? Similar to the ones your father is capable of. <laughs> when was Rudy doing burnouts? I specifically remember driving in a car behind your dad, and he was in his black car, and Dylan was in the passenger seat, and he must have been egging your dad on or something, and he <laughs> lit it up in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That's really funny. Well, you know, speaking of Dylan uh, and you and me and Jordan, I found some of that old footage from our old road trips and I posted a little bit of it this last week. I've been loving that little flashback. It was a great little it's been flashback. A lot of fun. And I've been, I've been cruising through some of that footage and I got to find something to do to, you know, just engage our audience and give them a picture of what it's like to be us. There's a lot of well, footage the, I, that's super embarrassing of myself where like my hair is so long and I think I'm so cool. 
So you're just not going to post any embarrassing stuff of yourself and just keep it all on us? I yeah. So here's what I, I I like giving people the snapshot of life inside the RV um, yeah. on a mundane. I I wish any stuff of us capturing drive-through experiences because that is just I think we maybe There's talked about this before. That's one of the my favorite things in the RV is to yeah. hit the drive-through via the back window. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah. Um, the one other thing that I watched over again today was from our very first trip, the cribs video we did where we like walk people through everything we have in the RV. And there's some hilarious moments in that video where it is truly disgusting. Like the fridge opens up and there's just so much mold in there. I totally forgot how <laughs> nasty that thing was. So if people want to watch that, just go to, uh, go to YouTube, type in the open road project cribs, and there'll be a funny video that comes up and you can go through some of our old archives. But anyway, those were some fun, fun uh, memories to relive over the past, uh, the past uh, week. And you know, the stuff that really started the idea for this podcast. So kind of fun. Cool, Jerry. Well, we should wrap things up here. Um, yeah. I mean, we didn't really talk a lot more about 541. I think we, we did talk a lot about it in the interview. So um, oh, definitely yeah. check them out. They are uh, Hamilton-based. Um, the other cool thing is if you live in Hamilton and you go there and you have a great experience, they would love your help to be a volunteer there. And I've met two people now in the past like month that volunteer there, and they absolutely loved it, and they continue to go back and 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 work there so uh that was a really cool experience apparently well that's a practical way to add some more adventure to your everyday which is is, what we are all about here on the open road podcast yeah i I think it'd be great so everyone thanks so much for listening um go to our website openroadpod.com give us your email address if you would and calvin writes a funny email every week we uh, have some links in there to our guests and all the stuff that you need to stay connected and find a little bit more adventure you can find us on instagram as well we're trying to keep that fresh at open road pod but other than that my friends thank you for listening and why don't you just go out there and start living an adventure i'd like to call to action jerry